This podcast is brought to you by Brave New Coin, BNC, powering blockchain finance. You're a pioneer in the wild west of crypto where chaos rules. You staked your claim in the market. Now it's time to put your investments to work. Brave New Coin tracks thousands of coins from hundreds of exchanges around the clock, bringing order to the chaos with expert insights, price analysis, and the most comprehensive market data on the planet to help you make better trading decisions. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This podcast is brought to you by Brave New Coin, BNC, powering blockchain finance. There's an overwhelming amount of blockchain data, thousands of coins and tokens trading on hundreds of exchanges, operating 24-7, 365 days a year. Crypto never sleeps. How do you make sense and find profitable opportunities in the sea of chaos? Brave New Coin has been organizing, cleansing, and classifying crypto data since 2014, with historical market data all the way back to Mt. Gox. We produce actionable insights for traders and custom market data solutions for enterprise as well. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Simon Perriman. He's the president and founder of FanWide, and the website itself is fanwide.com, F-A-N-W-I-D-E. So, Simon, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on the show, Richard. How are you doing today? Good. Yeah. Tell me about uh, FanWide. What's the premise of the company? Sure. So FanWide is the world's largest fan club network, and our whole goal is to connect out-of-market sports fans with other fans from their favorite team, wherever they live or travel. So mm. we have a website. We have a simple app. You tell us what your favorite team is. We show you where the closest fan club or watch party is for any team in any city. Well, what does that mean if someone's out of market? I mean, they just literally physically at that moment are not, I don't know, local to the sporting event or, or they, I don't know, what does that mean? Sure. So what we found is there's about 100 million Americans who don't live in the same town as their favorite sports team. And this really comes down to a lot of work transplants, students, immigrants, military personnel, or people that are traveling for business or leisure. And let's say uh, we're based out of Seattle. You know, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan in the area, you could go to any sports bar and find the game. So what we're trying to do is connect the millions of out-of-market fans that may not be able to find the game on their local TV or may not know which bar to go to that's going to guarantee to be featuring it. Oh, okay. What, what have you noticed about how people consume sports, you know, when they're home versus when they're traveling? What do they do differently? Well, when they're at home, if they're trying to watch the local team on the local market, it's easy. But what we found with the growing number of travelers, and especially now that fewer people are getting TV at home, it's a lot harder to find their favorite team. And so what we developed is this massive database with about 13,000 active fan clubs. We show them where they can go for the game. But more importantly, we then also provide them with rewards for showing up. So we partner with several different brands and organizations to get them free beer. They can enter contests. And in some cases, they can even earn cryptocurrency tokens for attending events. With those, they can then spend them on prizes such as game tickets, merchandise, apparel. So what we're really trying to do is build this whole ecosystem around passionate sports fans. So what do you? All right, so I guess the primary goal is to drive engagement with a certain uh, sports club. 
right? Would that is that the end goal of your entire service, or is it more for um, you know the side of the actual fans themselves and to just give them a better experience and help them engage and you know view the sports and participate physically or over the over media, you know, over the internet with uh, their favorite sports club. So a little bit of both, you know, what we try to provide for the end user is help them find a community or a sense of home. Um, you know, my background, I've, I was born in England. I grew up in New Jersey. I went to college in North Carolina. And then I moved out to Seattle about 12 years ago when I first started working at Microsoft. And so for me, I found that sports is one of the few things that really transcends where you're from, what language you speak, your gender, your ethnicity. If you can find fans from the same team, it builds up that immediate bond or connection. And so what we're providing for the sports fans is an easy way to have that bond. Find those other people from the same tribe or the same background through our digital platform, but then bringing them together in real world events. So ultimately what we're trying to do is create a game day experience like they would get if they lived in the local market, if they went to the stadium by creating what we call a virtual stadium at every sports bar around the country. That's cool. I'm sure this happens a lot. I would bet, I would bet you know, in the U.S. we call it soccer, but everywhere else they call it football. But it's supposedly, from what I've heard, that's the biggest sport in the world. So, uh, you know, if I'm going to go to my local pub and, you know, watch the game, you know, the World Cup, let's say, that's great. But if you make it into a local event where at the specific pub or place I go to watch it, there's other stuff going on with other fans like me that would make it even better and more fun. That's the whole idea, right? Building that community. You know, it's easy enough to go to a bar and ask the bartenders to turn on the TV, but it's a different experience if you're surrounded by hundreds of other fans that share the same passion, the same loyalty with you. So what we're trying to do is not just make it easy for fans to go find the local bar, but we also build these new communities. So for any city where we find there's a group of fans that are looking for a sports bar that they can call home, we help make that happen as one of the services that we provide. We then also bring sponsors to the events as well. So we make it more engaging. Instead of just sitting there watching the game, fans can interact with each other, play games, check in for different kinds of discounts or prizes. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What have you noticed that creates more of a sense of community and engagement when you're at a local place and everyone's watching an event? And how do you stop people from fighting, by the way, and like attacking each other <laughs> if they're rooting for opposing teams? Well, that's one of the best practices that we've found, right? We kind of want to separate the teams by their fans. So you never want to have, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox at the same event. And that's why we have liability insurance at every sports bar. <laughs> so we always want to try to avoid those problems. But what we found is, you know, people are more willing to interact and be social if they're rooting for a team that isn't local to that market. You know, if they're from the same place or they went to the same college, they have that natural connection through shame, uh, through the same shared experience or heritage. And so we found that there's a natural closer connection that people can find through sports. So it's great for people that are new to a city or for people that are busy traveling and don't want to try to catch the game in their hotel room. If they can find a safe way to explore the city, meet other fans, meet other business professionals. Maybe they'll even find people that they used to go to college with at our events as well. We've even seen that happen too. So, yeah, again, what, what do you find, what activities in particular seem to make fans really happy and work surprisingly well? You know, maybe they are surprises, maybe they're not surprises, I don't know. But what kind of things sure. do fans seem to enjoy the most? So some of the best practices, well, number one, we want to make sure that the sound is on. 
That's a big differentiator if you go to a busy bar, there's dozens of TVs. We guarantee that the sound's going to be on for the game, obviously. Makes it a much more enjoyable experience. But then we also provide contests. So we work with different sponsors. When people have an incentive, when they can win an autographed jersey, they can win a free trip, people are going to be more engaged. And ultimately, one of the best practices we do is we always do our raffles or our contests and do the drawing at the very end of the game. This way, even if it's a blowout game, it's non-competitive, we can give an incentive for the fans to stay all the way through to the end so that the bar, they make more money, they're keeping more customers around throughout the entire event. So we're really just trying to make it more engaging and provide incentives for people to interact with the bar, interact with the sponsors, and become friends with each other. Hmm. Okay. Um, any particular sport that certain things work for versus other sports, you know, for soccer or football uh, versus baseball versus other sports, hockey. I mean, the crowds, I guess, would be different. The type of people that like it are different. So there's certain things work on some and not in others. I think so. And what we found as a biggest differentiator is whether each and every game counts. And so what I mean by that is if you think about American football, right? In college, you have 12, maybe 13 games a season. In the pros, you have somewhere between 16 and 20 games a season. Well, each and every game of those counts. People dedicate that three to four hours on the weekend. They're going to make sure that they spend that time watching the game. So we always get high attendance. Now, our second tier of games are college basketball and soccer. You have about 30 to 40 games a season, usually two a week. So people are willing to watch probably about half of them go to the events for half of them. Now, when you start to get into sports like pro basketball, pro hockey, where you have 80 to 90 games a season, and then all the way into baseball, where you have 160 games a season, people are less engaged. Each game doesn't count as much. So we find that we get better attendance on the weekends, rivalry games, and then, of course, get into the playoffs. So there definitely is a big fluctuation just based on what the sport is, how frequently it uh, happens, and because that really impacts how engaged each of those fans are every time. I would bet as you go through a season, um, in the beginning of the season, you got to warm people up, get, back, get them back into it. So you'd want to do certain activities. Then mid-season, maybe their attention you know, goes down, maybe not. And then near the end of the season, you're probably going to get a lot more excitement and attention. So you probably need to have bigger events, more exciting stuff, maybe uh, more exciting vendors at the events to really like, you know, when the energy is highest to cash in on that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fluctuation you see. And I think you described it pretty well. What we've really found is the success of the team plays such a key factor in that. Um, you know, as an example, we're meeting with one of the big major league baseball teams and they weren't having a winning season that year. They told us, you know what? We know we're not making the playoffs. We don't really want to invest in our fan engagement at this point in time. Now, on the other side of it, if you have teams that rarely make the playoffs, they're suddenly on a streak or they have a player that's about to set a record, you can see that fan interest increases massively. And one of the things that we've been able to learn from our network of these in-person events is that also translates to the total interest on TV broadcasting across the country. So even though we're kind of an events platform, behind the scenes, we do a lot of data and analytics. That's really the core revenue generated for our business, is not just promoting these events, but also understanding where fans are located, their behavioral habits, how often they're willing to travel, how far they travel, 
what they watch on TV that's also related to their favorite teams or what other crossovers they have between different sports leagues. And so over the course of running this for a couple of years and promoting almost a million events, we've collected a ton of interesting data. And one of the products well, which um, you know we, we find to be particularly interesting is just being able to measure TV viewership at every sports bar across the country. With declining sure. ratings that are happening right now, with our data being able to track this attendance, we're able to offer insights to the broadcasters, the advertisers, and the teams about what their larger audience market is, not just those people watching the games in their home. Well, I know this gets into your secret sauce, so just tell me what you can and can't say, but... You know, my favorite question always is, so what do you know because you're on the inside that other people don't know? Like, what are some juicy, interesting, or surprising things you've learned about how people watch sports, when they watch it, you know, what kind of people watch it, et cetera? Well, one of the things that we've been focused on a lot because of a big change in the sports industry is around sports betting. So what we're trying to understand is what's the correlation or crossover between passionate sports fans and those that are likely to want to bet on sports. So back in May of 2018, one of the nationwide laws preventing gambling was repealed. And so over the last couple of months, each state is now individually uh, deciding whether they want to allow sports betting, which has opened up a whole new market. Now, we have all of this interesting data about people's location, their favorite team, and other types of interest that they have. So one of the things that we're looking at closely is what percentage of these passionate sports fans are almost, uh, most likely to want to go and bet on sporting games, what type of odds they look at, how much they favorite their team compared to the spread, things like that. So that's been one of the biggest areas that we've really been diving into is trying to profile and understand that crossover and interest level for any fan of any team. Well, again, any any insights you've gotten that uh, surprised you or you thought, hmm, that's weird, or did it all kind of make Um, sense now that you see the data? A lot of it does make sense. You know, you see the more popular games get more interest, the more popular teams have irrational betters. Um, As an example, I'm a fan of Duke. I went there as an undergrad. So I would be more likely to want to bet on Duke being favored over Carolina and wanting to bet more on the spread. And so over time, we can't go too much into our insights, but we are starting to see, uh, you know, we have a bunch of machine learning running here some AI, we're really seeing some interesting patterns over how people's interest in a particular team or favoritism to a particular team will actually skew their perceived value of a player, value of the spread. Um, And really, it could create some interesting betting opportunities here by looking at how people are much more likely to bet one way or another, just based on their own personal preferences or loyalty to a team. So, yeah, what have you noticed? If someone's a fan of a given team, I would, you know, I'm sure they value all the players more than someone that's not a fan, but do they... Well, they're just more likely the... to bet in a skewed favor, right? So maybe as an example, okay. um, Duke is favored to beat Carolina by three and a half points. That might be the spread. I might say, no way. I think this team is awesome. I've been watching them all season. I'm willing to bet on the over. So what it can do is it can just shift people's perceptions, uh, shift people's uh, spread assumptions one way or another, just based on you know the, that loyalty, that preference. What about uh, individual players on the team? If you you know, well, do we, I, if I'm a fan of Team A, mm-hmm. do I value the the top people on the team differently than someone that's not a fan valuing those same people? Or do, you know, how does it skew my perception of the team? 
We've definitely found that there's a player value index. And so the importance of each player or the popularity of each player, which can be measured through different ways, you know, including social reach, number of press releases, different metrics, then that significantly does change the impact in the game. Um, you know, you might call it the LeBron effect, right? When LeBron's playing, there's going to be mm -hmm. more fans that go to the game. There's going to be more press, more media, more interest in the game as he's one of the big stars. Um, so we can't go too much into details about how that weights, but it does, de does definitely change the level of interest in a game, which also does change the amount of uh, betting that happens around that game. Now, we've still only been looking at betting at a fairly high level, at the game level. But in the future, we're going to start to include analytics around prop betting, which is, you know, kind of like real-time betting, who's going to get the next point, and see if we can get additional insights. Um, you know, player data is going to be a key piece of that, uh, so that we can further refine those analytics and see, you know, what level does this particular player really impact the overall game or individual prop betting statistics. Okay. Yeah, I understand the betting component, and that's what you definitely want to monetize. Um, I don't know. What about uh, surveying people that have gone to these events? I'm sure you've done that. You know, so anecdotally, what do they tell you that they like best about what you do versus just, you know, going to a bar or going to a place and just watching an event without your event there? Sure. So the big things that we get out of that is first community, you know, being able to find people with that same passion or interest because, well, sure, you can go watch the game by yourself alone. Having that sense of tribe, that sense of excitement, that spirit, that really makes people feel like they're more part of a community. And so we find that feedback, particularly from people that are travelers or for people that are displaced, they've moved to a new city, they're a work transplant or military, and they're still looking for a way to get connected back home. So community is probably the biggest thing. The second big benefit that people appreciate from us is just being able to be rewarded for being a fan. So if you were going to go to a viewing party anyway, but this time you can go, you can get some autographed merchandise. Sometimes we bring professional athletes or former players to our events. You know, that additional layer of engagement and excitement makes people really feel like there's a difference as opposed to just watching the game at home. And that's something that we're looking to scale up a lot in 2019 as we start to provide digital rewards through a cryptocurrency so that we can start to provide rewards for each and every event that we promote throughout the country. What about, um, you know, advising venues that will have, uh, you know, you said they're seeing declining numbers of watchers and viewers, which hurts their revenue. So I would bet that you have uh, best practices that you could tell these pubs and other places, hey, you know, if you have us host an event there instead of just show the stuff on the screen with no sound, we can get you more revenue and we'll share in that or something. You know, I don't know what, what arrangement you have, but I'm sure that you sure, that's a lot of your work, right? Yeah, and just to clarify one point, we're not seeing a decline in bars. In fact, we're seeing the increase in bars, or we're seeing this decline in home viewing. That's because a lot of people okay. are unsubscribing from cable. And so the bars are in a great situation with people getting rid of cable. They still need a place to go watch the game. And so that's why we think, you know, we're hitting this market at a good time. As more and more people are saying, hey, I've got the big game. Where do I go watch it? We can provide that service for them. And so what we're also providing for the bars is not just being able to help them promote new events, but also build new fan clubs, promote more events a year, and stay busy outside the football season. You know, these bars are usually busy on the weekends about 15 to 20 weeks a year, primarily during the fall. But then they're also looking for 
patrons to fill the seats throughout the rest of the year and through the week. And so through our services, we can help them also be a fan club host for NBA, NHL, college hoops, international soccer, so that they can get more stable revenue throughout the entire year. We also provide them with predictable attendance counts. So we know whether it's going to be a popular game or not and how many people we expect will show up because this impacts not only the revenue for the bar, but also their staffing, how much food and beverage they buy. And so what we try to do is provide them with a suite of tools that not only lets them find more customers and promote their events, but also be able to host events every single day of the week, every week throughout the year. You know, what's funny is uh, with the rise of mobile, you think that, you know, people could just watch all this stuff on their phone, but it sounds like the social component is so important to people, whether they say so or not, that it's not really leading to a, a huge increase in people just sitting alone watching a game on their mobile phone, right? Well, I mean, you know, I think it's an option, but I think people still prefer the big screen feel of it, right? I mean, how much of a game can you really watch if you're watching it on a two by three inch screen? You can kind of get the highlights from it. You can see who won and lost. But if you're really a committed fan looking for that real game day experience, you got to go find the big screen, be surrounded by other fans and put yourself in that virtual stadium. That sports bar that's going to roll out the red carpet and make you feel good about watching the game. No, it makes sense. It makes total sense. So what sports uh, do you work with and are there any you don't work with? And uh, yeah. So we support all the major. Yeah. So we support all the major professional leagues, all the colleges, division one football and basketball, international soccer, and a variety of other individual and team sports, uh, including some esports. And so we've got most of the mainstream sports on the platform, about 1,500 or 1,600 different teams right now that fans can say that they're a fan of. Um, And we want to continue building that over time with some of our upcoming focus uh, is going to be our motorsports, rugby, and some esports as well as some of our uh, newer projects that we're going to be rolling out within 2019. Okay. Any sea changes you you see coming? You know, like some people say, oh, virtual reality is going to let people you know, hang out with other people and virtually watch games and no one will need to go to a bar. What are your thoughts around that? Virtual reality is an interesting one. It gives you a very different experience, but in my opinion, it's still isolated. You know, I think there's something different than, uh, you know, going to a second life, a virtual world, hanging out there with an avatar as there is really being a part of it, being in the game. And so I think, you know, virtual reality, that experience will land well with people that you know, aren't that interested in that social engagement. You know, they, they want to connect in a virtual setting. But for a lot of traditional sports fans that grow up being in the stadium, wanting to get that energy, that feel from being surrounded by other fans, um, you know, you can't obviously replace being in the stadium. But at least if you're in a sports bar surrounded by 500 fans of the same team, that's kind of a decent second level version of that. So I think there's a lot of trends that are going to keep pushing people to other screens engage them in different ways. But I still think that person-to-person interaction where you can high-five people, share a beer, meet new friends, I don't think that you'll ever take away that people-to-people real-world interaction. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad to hear that. So so what's up? <laughs> uh, what's planned for the next six months or a year? What new things are coming out? What changes? Our biggest investment is going to be around adding this cryptocurrency token to the platform to reward fans when they come to an event. So we've partnered with a cryptocurrency ecosystem for sports known as FanChain. You can check them out at FanChain.com. 
they are backed by some of the top names in sports, including the NFL Players Association, uh, Jim Boheim from Syracuse, David Stern, the former NBA commissioner, and quite a few other all-stars and Hall of Famers as well. What we found is that the sports blockchain ecosystem is pretty fragmented. And so what we are doing is we're uh, forming a partnership with Fanshape, and we're going to be distributing tokens on our network every time you go and interact with other fans or on our platform. And then you can spend those tokens on apparel, game tickets, memorabilia, merchandise, other types of real-world goods that have value for sports fans. So think of it this way. You're traveling. You're a Yankees fan. You go to the Yankees game. You earn five tokens, and you get a free beer or a hat, or get entered into a raffle for some autographed merchandise. What we're really trying to do is take the next step of engagement by offering these digital goods to be able to reward fans whenever they engage with each other or on our platform. Well, very good. So what's the best way for people to get started and you know, find out uh, when the next event is coming near to them and where they can go watch it and you know, have a, a better time than just sitting there? Well, the easiest way is just visit FanWide online at www.fanwide.com. Tell us what your favorite team is. We can tell where your location is, and we will point you in the right direction for the next local meetup or game watch party. From there, get rewarded for being a fan. That's great. Well, Simon, it's a good thing you're doing. It's a net happiness to the world so that it can only make things better. So thanks for doing what you do, and I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, hopefully, you guys learn some stuff about the crazy sports tech industry. It's a little mm-hmm. different than the rest of the world with its irrational economics, its billion-dollar brands, but it's certainly an area with a lot of passion and a lot of really engaged people. So uh, thanks again for having me on the show. It's been great to chat with you and your listeners. And uh, feel free to reach out to me, info at fanwide.com, if you have any questions. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.